0: Victory Mission invites you to join us on the morning of Thursday, January 26th for a time of coffee and prayer. There will be a continental breakfast for you to share with us as we look forward to the opportunities Victory might have in 2023. We will also recount the blessings of 2022. Come join us as we prepare for a brand new year. We look forward to providing great opportunities for those in very challenging situations. We want to give them their own level of victory. Learn more and get tickets at victorymission.com forward slash events. And uh, I remember
1: filling out the application for the restoration program. One question I remember particular, particularly well was, um, why should we admit you into the program? I believe it is. Um, And my answer was, I don't know. You probably shouldn't. There's probably other people who need help more than me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I don't come from a background of, of substance abuse or, or, you know, legal issues. I was just a unfulfilled housewife who had major depression, but I still needed Christ.
0: Welcome to Brighter Stories the podcast about eliminating poverty and empowering people by giving them the tools they need to build independent lives that they love. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Henson. In this series, we'll tackle a variety of topics like outreach and what it means to do life with someone and more. We'll hear testimonies from graduates of the restoration Program. Victory Mission's long-term discipleship program that transforms lives through a holistic approach. I hope this podcast will challenge and encourage you and will start discussions about how we can help our neighbors write brighter stories for their lives. Rebecca's dad wasn't around much when she was a kid. She looked to other men for the love she missed from her own dad but she never found it. Years of seeking validation led her to a dark and hopeless place. It was then that God intervened and brought her to victory mission. Now her life looks different in the best way. Let's hear her story together. So we're going to start in the beginning again. We're going to start in your childhood, and your family life growing up. What was that like? What was, uh, what was young Rebecca? What was the family around you as you grew up?
1: Um I feel like I had a pretty good childhood. Um on my mom's side of the family, um my great-grandfather was a Assemblies of God pastor. Um they planted a church in Branch, Missouri. Um my father's side was a little more secular. Um Of course, I was around them more than I was my my mother's side. But um, overall, I think I had a pretty good childhood. Um, My dad wasn't around all that much, um, so I was never very close to him. And um, I was 18 before he told me that he loved me. And I think that had a pretty big effect on my life.
0: I could see. Yeah, I could see that. Like you're you're kind of looking for that affection from your dad and it was 18 years like I I needed that uh I don't know. Absolutely. 17 years ago?
1: Yeah. So because of that, I um I had some daddy issues. Um I looked for my father's love through other men for quite a while. Um and never found it.
0: And so what those relationships, what did those look like?
1: Um, sexual. Yeah. A lot of sexual relationships.
0: And then feeling like you got those, like trying to say, hey, I'm loved, right? Kind of asking that question probably since you didn't get it. Right.
1: Right. Um, women will give their bodies to feel loved, for sure. And a lot of men will give love to get women's bodies,
0: <laughs> frankly. And so there and lies the problem <laughs> <laughs> that can be a challenge. Yeah. Agreed. And so in all of that, you know, you, but you grew up in the church in some ways, right? Kind of in and out or you knew about God and all these different things.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I went to church as a kid. Um, wasn't, you know, religiously every Sunday. But um but yeah, we would we would go probably a little more than occasionally. Um more than just your Easter or Christmas. Um so I did have that exposure as a kid. I had a great grandfather who prayed for me possibly every day of my life. Um and uh I don't know. I I'm really grateful for his prayers.
0: Yeah, it's probably why you're here. Yeah, I, I do accredit that to him. I would say the same about my grandmother. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of had the typical life, if I remember all the kind of the ins and outs of your story, but you get married, you have kids, things are just, fine, right? Still kind of looking for love in maybe all the wrong places? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Marriage didn't stop that, that looking for love. Um, <clears throat> I was married to a great man. Uh, we had three children. We had Hannah. We had Elijah, who passed away on Hannah's fourth birthday. And we had Evangeline. Um, and I mean... I was a suburban housewife that could want for nothing, but there was still a void I was trying to fill.
0: Yeah. The void was still looking for those things, looking for something to feel like, how do I feel alive? How do I feel loved?
1: I remember that was during that time was when I first realized that I was looking for validation. Um, I had no sense of validation in my life.
0: Validation could also be like worth. Right. So you just sort of felt like, like worthless.
1: Yeah, I felt worthless. I felt like there's got to be more to life than this. I felt like I could surely be doing something better with my life, which sounds crazy <laughs> than to just, you know, I was there taking care of my kids, but... But there was still something missing, obviously.
0: And so in in all of that, you made some choices. And like you said, you were married to a great man. There sounds like, like looking back, you're like, what was I doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're best friends. I still consider him a great friend.
0: So what got you to the point of kind of that full hopelessness uh, that kind of got you to look for something like Victory Mission. What what kind of drew you to that point where you're like, oh, no. Um,
1: well, uh, I had multiple affairs on my husband um, because I wasn't fulfilled. And we ended up getting divorced. Um, I had, I don't know, a couple of relationships after that. And then I met another man um, who was too good to be true. Um, And that was a whirlwind romance. And uh, by the time I realized how toxic the relationship was and how incompatible we were, I was already pregnant. And so then you're trapped. Right. Very much so, because I had moved in with him. I was financially dependent on him, and I was having his baby. And um, I stayed in that relationship for about five and a half years. Um, I felt like I cried every day. Um, And uh, I would Google things like how to hang myself, hmm. um, just different different ways to commit suicide. And um, I knew it was getting really bad when I got to the point where I wanted to do something violent to him. And that's when I knew I really had to get out. Um, I moved out of his house in uh, 2020 and into a house of my own. Um, But I ended up moving back into his house um, probably nine months later. Uh, And um, as soon as I got all my stuff, moved back into his house, it was Easter weekend of 2021 and uh, I checked myself into the hospital for suicidal ideations and I spent 10 days in a behavioral health facility. Um, I got out of there my mom came picked me up and she said well what did you learn from being in the mental hospital and I said well I didn't say but I wanted to say to not tell anybody Um, so I came back home. I I ended up going back to his house, even though I promised the doctors I wouldn't. Um, I laid on the couch for two weeks and lost 20 pounds. Um, two months later, I was suicidal again. And, uh, I left him again in June and, Kind of like escaped under the cover of night. I um, I didn't take our son with me uh, because I was afraid that he would uh, accuse me of kidnapping. Um, he's made plenty of threats about about me taking that. Um, so I didn't I didn't take that. I told Dad I would be back, and um, and I left and I went to my mom's. So I stayed a couple of nights with my mom. I stayed a couple of nights at my daughter's house. And then I just got to the point where I thought, I am a burden, completely and totally a burden. I can't take care of myself. I can't bum off of other people, you know, for the rest of my life. And so I, um, it was a hot day, a very hot day in June. And I, um, I drove over to the south campus of James River Church and I rolled up the windows, turned the car off, and decided to bake myself in the parking lot. And uh, I had been texting my ex-husband and um, I've gone through the texts and I didn't see anything that should have raised any red flags that I was in a really bad place mentally, but I know that the Holy Spirit moved on him, and he called James River and told them that I was out in the parking lot and um, that they needed to come find me. And he also texted um, Janelle Reed, and who was working here at the time. And uh, she came, she came to me. Um, Savannah Lindell came out, prayed with me at my car. As soon as she was done, Janelle pulled up And um, we all went inside, and uh, that's when I learned about the restoration program. I wouldn't have known otherwise. I had no idea.
0: I want to pick up, like, two things. Like, you get picked up from the mental and, you know, the behavioral health, and you tell your mom, or wanted to tell your mom. You didn't tell your mom, but you wanted to say, um, don't tell anyone. And then the other thing was I'm a burden. So like you're you're strugg- like you said, like you need validation for yourself. You don't really know, like, am I lovable? Do people really care about me for who I am? So you're kind of questioning these things. And then it's almost like all these experiences are really just compounding those already kind of fearful things that we we all sort of walk around with. You know, like Am I am I lovable? Do people care about me? And then these experiences are telling you well, only in this way. Don't really share everything. Don't really, you know, you can't really trust them or this person's going to just take advantage of you or they only want what you can give. Like, all that's going around in your head? I mean, is that summing that up okay? Oh, yeah. I had spent the last five
1: and a half years basically being a servant. Um, Yeah. I spent a lot of time with someone who was just looking to take what I could give and um, that certainly didn't make me feel validated it, I mean
0: sure I guess I was useful, but I still didn't have worth so you're you're like in this sort of trap because I think like I think what can really relate to a lot of people and like and I'm obviously I'm not a woman nor do I. Can, can I relate to you fully and what you're, but like really understanding that like we all have those questions of like, who cares about me? Who really thinks I'm special? Who, and not just like, oh, isn't that cute? Like nobody wants to be pitied. Nobody wants to be, like you even said, no one wants to be just useful, Mm -hmm. right? You want to be like a partner. You want to be a co-laborer and something. You want to feel like there's value as a family and where you're going and all these things that you now looking back may have had, but didn't appreciate it or didn't see it for what it was. And then you're trapped like, Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, Maybe other words you could put there besides, Oh gosh.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was, um, it was a dark, hopeless place to be in. Like I, I remember laying in bed next to him and, and leaning over the bed and just, I felt like I could actually physically see a black pit that I was staring down into that I was already halfway in.
0: And the people around you, like your daughter that you could stay with or your mom that you could stay with, you felt like couldn't really understand what you're going through.
1: My daughters didn't want anything to do with him because they could see what was going on. I think my mom could to a degree, but she was also being manipulated. And still
0: is, frankly. Because she's grandma it's kind of like the charm oh, and yeah. deception of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very good.
0: So let's let's turn the page, right? Like let's turn the so you find victory mission when you're at your lowest, like literally like I feel like a burden nobody really understands and i'm in a i'm in a big black pit like you look off your bed and you can see like there's no way up like there's only way down and then you get kind of this lifeline from an old friend that hey victory mission they've got this long-term program for women and you said okay what like where else can you go is that i mean tell me what you i don't want to put words in your mouth but like okay uh what yeah, um,
1: so Janelle came and, and talked to me at James River, and uh, she made me promise that I would come to Victory Mission the next day and ask for Shreda. And um, I said, okay, I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, I've got nothing else to do. And uh, I remember filling out the application for the restoration program. One question I remember particular particularly well was... Um, why should we admit you into the program? I believe it is. Um, and my answer was, I don't know. You probably shouldn't. There's probably other people who need help more than me. (laughs) You know, I mean, I, I, I don't come from a background of, of substance abuse or, or, you know, legal issues. I was just a unfulfilled housewife who had major depression, but
0: I still needed Christ. I think that is an amazing statement because it's like, I think we can sit here and think, oh, I I don't have addiction issues. I don't have, you know, these problems, but like, where do you get life? You know, that's almost the question you were asking is like, where's life? And how do I find it? Mm -hmm. So what did you find at victory mission through your soul detox and all these things? I found Christ. Um, yeah, it was, um,
1: it's been an amazing year. Truly. Um, I can't, uh, discount the value of soul detox. It's, it's probably the most important part in my opinion. Um, to really unplug from the world and really get down and feel your feelings and and figure out what's going on in you and to have Christ walk through that with you, you know. And and the people at Victor Mission have shown me nothing but Christ's love. And um, I think I was like a, a typical. I was a typical Christian who, you know, would find myself saying at times, "Lord, save me from your followers," because true Christianity was never actually modeled for me until I came to Victory Mission.
0: What What does that look like to you?
1: Pure love. Pure love and support. Um, it really is a family here, um, a family unlike any I've known.
0: But you have to be willing to, like, stay put, right? You have to be willing to take direction. You have to be willing to submit. Because you, through this year, um, I watched you kind of be like, a mo- I mean, you are a mom, right? But then, like, these, uh, I'm going to say girls. They're not girls. But, like, people would come and go. And it's like they just, they couldn't sit still long enough to do those. Like, as you said that, I just was picturing almost like, um, like Jesus kind of walking through a room and there's all this like clutter and he's sort of like, I've got that and I'll take that. And I could just see that little, like, he's just kind of meandering through your life and your inventory and like, you know, taking things from you is what I was just envisioning. And I, I don't know if that speaks to you, but I think there's like this idea of like, we, we want to hold all those things because they're like our little treasures of like how people hurt us or we didn't get. And he's like, if y'all just stop, I can, I can do something. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think I realized until towards the end of the program, how much, um, how, how much you have to be willing to submit your life. I mean, this, the program is, pretty much all about submission. I mean, it's, it's a sort of practice for us to submit our lives to Christ. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's hard to do, really hard to do, especially when we're grown women, you know, and we live in a society that says, take what you can, girl. And yeah, it's it's a tough thing. I mean, it's not an easy program but it's not
0: impossible, as long as you're willing to submit. And you had some crazy stories happen, like your car got broken into <laughs> like three times, three times a as, month. You know, and your catalytic converter was tried to get stole. I mean, it's just like all these little hiccups. That was almost like, don't stay this place. It's like the physically, this place isn't safe. You're on, you're on C Street. I mean, this is this is a bad, you know, like, this is a tough neighbor, but you just, like, you rolled with all these punches, and just kind of, you just kept staying put, like, I remember, like, I think I was real nervous one time with it, I thought, oh, no, Rebecca, don't leave, and you're like, I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're more secure than I, you know, it's like, you were unswayed by any of those other things, it's like you had been you were just grounded. I think that's the word I could use. I saw that.
1: Don't get me wrong. There was moments of swaying. <laughs> 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 but um, if there's one thing I've learned over the last year is that true growth is painful. And uh, yeah, getting my car broken into three times in a month was, was not fun. And and by the second or third time, I was like, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> But I, I stayed put and through that God showed up and showed me his love and his blessings and people came to help pay for the repairs and it was really amazing. Like if you will just stand firm in the Lord, I mean, He's, he will show up, he is faithful.
0: It, it might be the 11th hour. <laughs> right? I, th- I think it's even. It's almost like you could look at the Bible and be like, oh, wait, the Israelites, they got free. And then all of a sudden the Pharaoh and there's a, you know, it's like it's like he likes to set up things to be like, hey, will you stay? Will you stay and be faithful? Will you stay and stay put? Will you? Because the blessings are there. He does his best
1: work in the 11th hour.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fun. It just kind of makes me happy that you say all that. So um, what? let's just kind of walk through the holistic areas right? that we have at Victory Mission, the spiritual, personal, relational, vocational, and financial. So spiritually, you've kind of hit all around those that like really this is a discipleship program where we really want, you know, without Jesus, your car gets broken into, you lose heart. You're like, oh, this is, everything's falling apart. But just that grounding kept you here. So what about your your personal life? And some things you may not be able to share fully as you're in things. So what, what about your personal life? You never lost your driver's license. You don't have any probation officer checking in on you.
1: No, I'm, I'm kind of the boring one,
0: I guess. <laughs> um. But I think a lot of people can relate because... They didn't. They didn't have a chance to take a year off of their life, and not. But like now, you're ready. You're like literally ready for life for the first time.
1: Right. That's that's so funny because I, I believe I've told you before that I felt like if if more people knew about this program, like they'd be paying thousands of dollars to come in and and experience this um, if they only knew what it really could do for them.
0: You did tell me that before, almost like that kind of that South side, you know, we've talked a little bit about like that, you know, people that would love to have the freedom you have and love to feel the, the worth you feel, but yet we're, it's almost like that shame and condemnation keeps us trapped in the environment where we think we're supposed to be, where we're you know, all the, all the shoulds we should do. Well, you should be a good mom and you should be, keep your house and you should, you know, and we're like, man, I want to like live, you know, and to feel freedom. And
1: yeah, it reminds me of the quote, it's only when we lose everything, do we gain anything. And uh, yeah, I had lost everything, but through that, I gained everything. Um, not a lot of people get that opportunity.
0: That's good. Let's talk about relationships. What about, uh, obviously, your relationships of the past were, you know, what people, what you could give them, what they could give you, uh, even momentary in these, uh, you know, kind of broken relationships. What it, what does that look like now? Because I, I think the biggest thing I've seen differently in your relationships is your, is your confidence, like you being confident and you even telling the story of of a challenging relationship you have now and like interacting with that person and feeling like, I kind of feel sorry for you now. So you were once trapped and now you're like, man, I've got, how did I not see this? Is what I felt like you kind of sharing with me. like, Right,
1: being on this side of things. I'm able to see more clearly how abusive people need help. Um, and uh, I, I pray for him. Uh, I, I can see how his life hurt him. I don't know that he does. I think he does to a degree, but he doesn't know what to do with that.
0: I, th- I think that's perfect. Like it's, uh, it's compassion right, there's almost a compassion, like, you now look, because you're aware of who you are, you're more self-aware, you're aware of how those things have affected you, and so now you can see at him, like, oh my gosh, that's why you, like, I know your story, and of course, like, you're trying to control everyone, you're trying, you know, and that, and then compassion rises, because, you're like, oh, I can, I can pray for you. I can forgive you. I can, I because I'm actually the stronger one now.
1: Yeah, he does ask me to pray for him. And I do. It's easier for me to see now why people do
0: the things that they do. I think clarity. It's like you have clarity. You have like vision now.
1: Yeah, much more, much more clarity for sure. <laughs>
0: So what do you do on a daily basis? Where do you get to work? Um, talk about your vocation, the the job you show up for and how you got that. Share with us a little bit about that because that's kind of a unique story. You looked for a long time and you stayed faithful in those things. So share with us what you get to do.
1: Uh, I'm currently a receptionist at TLC Properties and uh I had served as the advancement intern and the coffee intern at Victory Mission for about six months. In a time where it seems like everybody was hiring, I could not get a job outside this building, and I had no idea why, because I know I'm not unhireable. And I don't even really remember applying for the job, but... Out of the blue, I got a call from the recruiter, and uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll bring me in. And uh, he had experience with uh, Jobs for Life, so he was familiar with, with that. And yeah, they brought me on as receptionist, and I'm the face of the company when you walk in.
0: So uh, what is the coffee company that you work for?
1: Um, working for Equip Coffee. Um, at Victory, that was a ton of fun. Um, it wasn't unlike some things I've done in the past, sort of, you know, keeping inventory on, on merchandise, um, and then preparing packages and, and labeling, and and uh, delivering, delivering orders was my favorite part. Getting to go out and drive around and, and see other faces and Really, delivering coffee, you see a lot of happy people. They're happy to
0: get their coffee. <laughs> and I like playing Santa Claus. That, that is very true. And most of those businesses that you went to, the person accepting the coffee didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> so it really was like, yeah, it's like Christmas. It's like, hey, I don't have to pay for this. My boss does, but I drink it. Yeah, because there's like architecture firms. I think they, they don't sleep. I think architects are always working or something. Yes, they are. Yeah, so that's that's really fun. And so all that kind of prepared you for being the face now of that organization. So when people walk into TLC Properties, they, they see you. you you're you the voice on the phone. And you even got a little of that phone call stuff. You helped make some calls uh, at Victory even, thanking uh, Victory people who invest here with their hard-earned money so that you could have this opportunity. You even thanked some of them, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did some of that. I got to go and um out to the airport and thank one of the pilots for for donations, and that was that was a really exciting trip, actually, because you know,
0: I love planes. But <laughs> and so, what about uh, financially? What what things have changed for Rebecca? Because obviously, like like you just shared, I you lost everything. Like there was. Um, in, in relationships that aren't, uh, I'm going to use the word productive, you know, people can control your finances and keep it to where you either don't have access to that or the money that you do earn is put aside. So now you've got your independence back with that. So talk about what, did you have to learn anything new with finances or budgeting? I've never
1: budgeted before in my life. I've never had savings. Um, But yeah, one of the benchmarks to graduate the program was to have a certain amount in savings. And I hit that, and it was so nice, so nice to have that money set aside. And I actually have money in savings now. (laughs) You've graduated. You don't have
0: to, but you do. It's like you've learned
1: something. Yeah, yeah. I've learned how how nice it is to to have some money set back
0: just in case. And now uh, what's really cool is you're able to get in a partnership program. So your your housing and the things that you're doing uh, is kind of like the next step for you. But you've got this grounding. You've got this great foundation. And Victory Mission has given you these tools. And you're building the rest of your house. You're, just, you're you know, the metaphorical house.
1: Yeah, um, I've kind of thought of uh, Victory Mission as the ER and Elevate Lives as the rehab. <laughs>
0: um, so you needed some triage, and now you're like, "Hey, uh, I, I need to work that physical therapy a little bit."
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, and that's an opportunity I never would have had had I not been here. So and. It's just, it's amazing. Life is amazing. Like, I have a whole new community of wonderful people around me, even post graduation. My church, um, the other program, the people here, people at work. What church are you at?
0: Freshwater. Oh, so you're going with Jennifer. Jennifer, do you see Jennifer? Yeah, I
1: took Jennifer last Sunday.
0: That's great. Yeah. And the, how cool is that that you can? invest in the next kind of woman coming up through victory. Like you are now you're seasoned truly be the mom. You got to be the mom. Right. To so many.
1: I always kind of felt like the, the house mom upstairs. Yeah. I was the oldest one for a while.
0: So, um, you're inside James river and you're, you're hearing the general talk about victory mission. Like, did you have any you're just Like, cause you're basically like, whatever I'm in for anything. Um, I'm just not going back or I'm or I'm going to end everything. So when you got here were there expectations that you had put on the program?
1: I had zero hope and zero expectations. I had no idea. No idea what I was doing, what I was getting into. Nothing.
0: So we met at least those then. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. We could only be better than zero expectations. (laughs) So what what do you think about uh, what do you think about now? Like looking back, you're like, oh, my gosh, you had no expectations, but you got so much because you just like you even said my last year of my life. Oh, my gosh. So fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. This has been the best year of my life. No doubt about it. Um, I remember the first few times I bagged groceries over at the warehouse, I teared up thinking, you know, people really rely on this and, um, that might have been a starting point where I realized this is the something better that I've been looking for for
0: 20 years. Serving people? Absolutely. Because then it's not about you anymore? Right. So if there's like one thing that's kind of changed about you is maybe there was too much focus on yourself? Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. I've been there. (laughs) But then you can also, in that, you're willing to submit because then you're like, hey, it's not about me. And if you're not willing to submit, then okay, go do you then. And see how that ends up. Yep. Wow. That's kind of neat. Maybe we need to do more <laughs> service opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. So anything else you would say, if you got a chance to share with, with some person, even um, somebody that you know known for a long time, I mean, you probably see it now, like, they need a program like this, but they they may be unwilling. How could you convince them they should do this? I don't know that I could convince someone
1: that they need this. I think, I mean, the prerequisite to coming into this program is to be broken. And um, I can't break anybody like that.
0: What breaks people like that? Despair. Utter Despair. That's pretty that's pretty heavy Like to think about, like, gosh, i got to get all the way down there in order to rebuild. Mm-hmm. So is that why the women that come in didn't stay, because they weren't really broken?
1: I think so, yeah, um, because a lot of women come into the program as a requirement to get out of jail. It's just an obligation.
0: And so once that obligation's met, I'm good. I'm back to being good. The whole time they've thought, These people are confused, but since they control my destiny, I might as well do what they say.
1: Right. That's not to say that every woman coming out of corrections is going to be that way. But I think for a lot of them, they're just fulfilling an obligation. I had a choice. I didn't have to be here. I had custody of my kids. Um, You know, there was no legal agreement that I had to come here. And in a way that made it, I don't know if it was harder, but it was really hard because there was plenty of
0: times where I thought, I can just go and there's no repercussions. Yeah, you always had your keys. You always had the car uh, that waited and got broken too. (laughs) So I just, I think, I mean, before we walked in here to have this conversation, somebody shared with you, because they've kind of been in an interesting relationship uh, coming out of one, and and they said, I think a lot of women can connect with your story. What do you say to that? Do you feel like you're kind of like a heroine? No.
1: No, I don't. Um, Like a lot of things with Victory Mission, it's a case-by-case basis, and if I meet somebody who's going through the same thing, I feel like I can be a guiding light to them, but I don't feel like a heroine.
0: <laughs> well, I say you because I, I was we sat in this in this room and had class and there were many opportunities. I think each week it was like, Who's gonna stay? Who's gonna keep believing? And they were not it's like I, I think it's amazing to me that you can say this was the best year of your life and yet I know it was probably your hardest year. Because it took a lot of like gut-wrenching soul work. And just thinking about the warehouse we call our hearts. Where Jesus had to kind of walk around and be like, hey, I'm, this is clean. You keep filling it with stuff that I'm taking out. Why Why do we do that? It's uh, like we, I think sometimes we make it harder than it should be. At least I'll speak for myself. You can speak for yourself.
1: Yeah, well, I would agree.
0: But it was worth it
1: totally worth it
0: any last thoughts of all this stuff that we talked about like what 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 else could you share that could be meaningful to somebody or just that you're you'd like to share what Rebecca Wells you've got the mic
1: restoration is for everybody it's not just for addicts or felons Um, it's like even the Woman sitting at the country club needs Christ. We all do,
0: and he's looking for him.
1: Yeah, he's calling him.
0: I am. I am so honored, like, to get to know you because I feel like I feel like we're of similar age and a background, and we had kids and we connected in a lot of different ways. So, like, watching you walk through this, like, I really am rooting for for every person at Restoration, and so for you to be the first women graduate is just, um, it's just so amazing because even those gals that were with you, like. They're not here and our hearts break for them. So I'm so grateful that we get to have this conversation and that you are the first restoration graduate at Victory. So Honored to know (laughs) you. I'm honored to be here. Well, thanks for coming in and having a chat. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for listening to the Brighter Stories podcast. What did you think of this episode? Jump on, leave us a review and let us know. We put out a new episode every first and third Friday of the month, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any content. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Springfield Victory Mission. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason Henson. Thanks for tuning in.